Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Bill Balderas. This is the episode for the week of May 25th, 2015. This week, we're joined by Matt Gove, the Chief Consumer Officer at Piedmont Healthcare in Atlanta. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bill. You and I met a month or two ago in Las Vegas, and I saw your presentation on Facebook advertising for healthcare systems. It was towards the end of the week, one of the last sessions. Normally, people would be looking at their watch, looking at their checked roller bags, getting ready to go. And this was one of those events where everyone was engaged. They were leaning forward in their seats. I think you actually had to cut off questions because you got so many. So much interest in Facebook advertising, especially in healthcare. So we are, we are excited to jump in with you today. I know one of the, the publications, one of the case studies has been featured on Facebook. I think it's been held up as an example in the industry. But for our audience that either hasn't seen it or needs some context and background, can you talk a little bit about the mammogram campaign that the crew at Piedmont uh, ran? Sure, happy to. So we like to use Facebook in as strong a way as possible to target populations and, and to better identify folks that, that uh, would need our services. And so we, you know, Facebook has um, changed a lot over time. So before I get too deep into it, let's just give a, a quick primer, you know, Five years ago, when I started in healthcare, because I'm not from healthcare originally, Facebook was a place to build community. It was a place to uh, to engage your populations, your communities, uh, to get conversations going. But it wasn't a place that we would be spending uh, too much time targeting, uh, trying to drive behavior, trying to acquire patients through social media. It's a pretty novel approach, we've been working with a partner called Bright Whistle since uh, late 2011 or so. So we were working with Bright Whistle to try to figure out how we better use Facebook to find patients that are looking for services and bring them to Piedmont. At the end of the day, if you're in marketing, I'm the chief consumer officer here at Piedmont, which means marketing is one of the places that reports to me. Our job is to help drive revenue for the system. Our job is to help find patients who need our services and bring them in. And so we were looking at Facebook as a way to do that. But then also Facebook uh, has its own perspective on healthcare and how to get better involved with healthcare. They have been talking to us about how do we use our platform to help drive healthier populations, healthier communities. We look together, we have a lot of data. I think any health system that's listening to this, that's involved in marketing, knows that it has a ton of data about its patients, about its customers. We don't use it very effectively, but if you have a good relationship with Facebook, you can actually use the data you have to help identify people who might need you uh, in the future. So we, we worked with Facebook and Bright Whistle to identify our patient from our data that had breast cancer. So if you've been a breast cancer patient at Piedmont, I think it was about the last 18 months to two years, we developed a picture of what that person looked like, both demographically, and then with Facebook help, actually found them in Facebook and found the, the factors that bound that group together, and then built a custom audience. So you can build custom audiences in Facebook to do that. 
And now, Matt, if, if, if our audience listening right now is anything like the folks we had at the session in Vegas, you did this, you said something like that, the, the notes started scribbling, and a bunch of hands shot up, and people said, wait, you're actually finding names of individual patients and, and feeding that into Facebook? Or what, is that, what does that mean when you say you're, you're finding traits that unite them? Can you, can you give us some concrete sure. examples of what that looks like? Great. Great. Uh, it's, um, it's because I'm not the technical expert, but I do understand it. You, you, Facebook, they're not going, Facebook doesn't allow you to target individuals. That you can't put in, uh, a post directly in this one individual's news feed. That that would be uh, as creepy as it can get. And Facebook knows there's no future in creepy, or at least there's no future in that creepy. And we know as well that our patients aren't interested in being contacted in that individual way, particularly on a public platform. We have uh, my chart and other patient portals that allow us to come contact people directly. That said, what Facebook can do for you is you have uh, the full set of data, or the the right data about your customers, then you can go to Facebook and say, I'd like to identify this group. It could be 200, it could be 5,000, it could be more. I'd like to try to find as many people as possible from this group in Facebook and create a, a custom audience. And Facebook will do that for you. So if you have the data on your patients, generally speaking, you need either an email address, a phone number, or something like that, where they can um, use that to help identify those, those customers. They'll find that group in Facebook and they'll build it into what they call a custom audience. Right? So that's a group of people. In this case, that was a group of our people, our people being our customers, that were Piedmont breast cancer patients. Now, we didn't do anything with that audience. We didn't push any uh, content to them or contact them in any way. The goal was to try to figure out, can we build an audience that looks like that audience that we can then start pushing a online health assessment around breast cancer uh, to those people in hopes that they would take it and better assess their risk and if, they're, and if they have a heightened risk, do something about it. Talk to a physician, seek more information. And the, the ultimate goal of this at the very beginning was how do we use this sophisticated targeting and a good online assessment to help a, a population of potential customers, but certainly a population of the communities that we serve, help them understand their risks better. But to me, that's one of the keys in the future where we're moving from volume-based metrics to value-based metrics and we're caring for population. The sooner you can help a person understand their risk, to identify and to work with a healthcare provider to assess that risk, the better chance you are catching something. Now, now, Matt, one one request: if you ever write a book, can it be called "There's No Future in Creepy"? And and uh, I, I, I see a hashtag there or something. I love that. I love that quote. <laughs> and, and in all sincerity, I've read a lot of things recently because it's um, it's so interesting to me how you've got to get you got to figure out where that line is. Sure. And this is this is not just for healthcare. Uh, marketers could be for anybody in, in social media marketing, but you've got to find where that line is because we, we 
got a, a strong set of consumers. This isn't everybody, for the general rule. It's got a nice subset of consumers that now expect you to provide them with relevant content. In order to provide them with relevant content, you've got to know a lot about them. Once you know a lot about them, you potentially can get creepy. Sure, understand. It's understand. <laughs> Right, so find the line and take one step backwards. Understand now, now, Matt. So, just understanding this idea of a custom audience, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is yours, but maybe if we found that historically your patients liked Target and they interacted with Toyota's Facebook page and Starbucks page and and checked in at events that were race for the cure type events, you could say here's here's eight or ten things that our existing patients have in common. Facebook, go find me the population of other people in Atlanta that that also like Toyota and Starbucks and Target and Race for the Cure and let's let's show them our ads. Is that is that more or less kind of the background? Great. Okay. That's essential that's essentially it and there's the you can calibrate that or, or something calibrate you can you can shift the strength of the correlation. So to to change the size of the audience. I see. So we wanted people we wanted people just in Atlanta. Uh, so we found uh, that subset of Piedmont patients that were uh, that we could identify on Facebook and knew what brought them together beyond breast cancer. And then, to your point, they, they could all like certain types of cars or certain types of music or certain types of events or restaurants or whatever it is. All the data that Facebook has, uh, and, they, and then we could use the slider to try to correlate, find that sweet spot between uh, the strength of the correlation And Matt, once you found them, you, you know they're on Facebook, what did you do with them? What was the message? What was the goal? What were you trying to get them to do? We were trying to get this group, like the mammogram campaign, to take an online risk assessment to better understand their risk of breast cancer. So we used uh, several different types of posts, ads basically. One, some that were more content-driven some that were more straight call to action and just to test which one of those worked the best. This is a good spot for me to remind everybody that one of the most important things is to make sure that your online risk assessments and all really anything you do around social media marketing is uh, optimized for mobile. Uh, okay. Vast majority. Okay. It's really, really important. Um, one of the presenters at the presentation you referenced in, in Vegas in April uh, was Joel Cohen from Facebook. One of the things Joel said that I, I repeat to this day 
one out of every five minutes on mobile is spent on Facebook. Wow, that's incredible. That's absolutely amazing. It blew my mind. Yes. And I think about I think about other people and looking around, seeing people at a doctor's office or a coffee shop or on the bus, and everyone has their their phone and tablets out. And if in my head I add up all those minutes and think, you know, I'm in a room full of 50 people and everyone has their phone out, this is the pers- this is the amount of time being consumed via Facebook right at this moment. Wow, ninety-eight percent were completed mobile. Yeah, that's so, that's amazing. So if practically no one used their desktop. So if this had had not been optimized for mobile, we wouldn't be having this conversation because you would have said the the campaign was a miserable failure uh, because no one would have used it. Correct? Is that right? Okay. We wouldn't have been having this conversation, and Facebook sure certainly wouldn't have recognized the success of it with an award. <laughs> so you wouldn't have got that, that trip to Vegas out of it either. So, <laughs> so, so, so obviously it was a very much a success. Uh, can you share some of the metrics of the mammogram campaign? You mentioned the 98%. What were, what were the other uh, highlights? Sure, sure. So we, we actually, we also ran it uh, into general audience. We felt like it was important in the early stages of coming up with a new strategy like this to test it against your existing strategies to make sure that uh, that the results you're getting are, are actually different and better and not just um, different. Right. <laughs> ah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So we we got more people who were at risk to take this, and it it's funny because as you go through the results, it start it all starts to really make sense. Like, of course, better targeting leads to better results. Sure. But um, in hindsight, it all makes sense, right? Wow. The, this, it, it all points to 
something really interesting as, as well. You mentioned that we get very focused as a healthcare system on our patients, our diabetes patients, our cancer patients, our health patients versus this much broader population of, of potential patients. And, and really without Facebook, is there, is there a, another tool that can help us identify a potential diabetes patients or a potential uh, mammogram screening? Uh, 
um, engaged they'll become. And the more engaged they are, the more ads we can serve. Sure, and the more we know about them to serve them better ads, right? Uh, engagement equals better targeting. Now, Matt, that's a really great story, but that's not what we talked about in Vegas. So I know that that this one was was kind of the foundational one. And you and I spoke earlier, and you said you did this, but then you said, "What can we? How, how can we elevate this or turn this into something even bigger?" So give our audience the background of of, of V two of this experiment and what we talked about in Vegas. That is that is correct. I have pulled a fast one. So what we <laughs> talked about in in Vegas was what. How do we do this a little bit better? Remembering my sort of core purpose, which is to help drive people uh, into my system uh, to get more care from Piedmont. How do I um, build on that? How do I, now that I know that this targeting works, I didn't mention before, but it's also more cost effective. Uh, you can serve up better targeted ads, going to be generating more results, and we actually spent less money uh, than we would normally on a campaign. So I went, um, Back to our friends at Bright Whistle, and they said, we want to try to do this on a larger scale. We proved the concept with you guys. We're going to talk to some of our other customers and see if they'd like to do something around heart. So February is Women's Heart Month. So they thought, how, how can we drive more online screenings around heart condition? And I said, I am not interested in that. What I'm interested in are people. People walking through the door. Because there's a, there's a pretty significant gap between somebody who completes an online assessment and actually converts into an appointment. And it's uh, increasingly easy to measure because it's all digital, but it's still a pretty difficult measurement. And you don't necessarily have to do it. I said, why don't we try this while you're running that sort of campaign with uh, some other health systems across the country? We want to run a campaign that drives people to a $99 in office women's heart screening. So to be clear on that, Matt, we're going from getting people on a phone and primarily filling out a, a, some questions and an assessment online to actually putting on their shoes, getting in a car, and coming somewhere physically and, and, and writing a check and essentially becoming a, a patient. Right. Great. Okay. So you want to, I wanted people to book an appointment with us. Great. All right. And that's, that's, that's what we were driving towards. We, we, I, can, I can jump straight to your results. We developed the audience in the same way. We ran it against the control group in the same way. So we did all of the things that we did in the mammogram campaign just with a different end goal. And we spent a really small amount of money over the course of a month, month and a half, of $2,100 on Facebook. And we ended up driving nearly 100 in-office appointments. Wow. Wow. Off a $2,100 investment. That's incredible. It was, uh, it was absurd. Yeah, it was, it was a more than four to one ROI just on the on the appointment itself. We know from sort of a, a regressive analysis on these types of appointments in the past that we can count on a minimum of another $500 in revenue from each of those patients. Um, wow. Okay. Average. Okay. Especially an average okay. five hundred for each of those patients. And so we um, we can calculate it now. It looks more. It's closer to ten to one, maybe a little bit more on the spend. Um, and we we couldn't have possibly expected those results. We were overjoyed with how well it performed. 
I think what it, while I don't want to put a big ding in the online health assessment hmm. industry, but I, what I think it means is that if you're if you're really doing a great job of targeting the right people, people who have the the same sort of risk factors, the same likelihood of developing disease as people who already have that disease in your in your current customer base, if you target those people the right way with a compelling message, the right content, um, and you're the right provider, they're going to show up. And then once they show up, particularly when you're into that specialty care, you're sort of down the funnel a little bit, as I like to say, if those become more, more loyal patients, they stick with you for longer um, because of the further you go into a specialty, the less likely people are to switch. Okay. Sure, sure. They're they're engaged with the system. They know they're specialists. They know the they know when they can get appointments. That all makes sense. Matt, every day we talk to healthcare marketers, and a lot of them are still you know you're 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 pretty far down the funnel, which is the reason why Facebook writes case studies on you and you're speaking at conferences. We still talk to healthcare marketers who. Maybe they're 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 hesitant about digital marketing in general. Maybe their um, executives and leadership are still of the mindset of you you buy a billboard on the big, busiest highway in town, and they know it's not being tracked. The, the numbers you gave me, I imagine, I, I can't think of a way you could do that off of a a billboard ad or a print ad or the new patient direct mailers that a lot of systems do. If I'm in those very early stages, if if you're on the the nine or ten side of the spectrum in terms of what you're doing, and I'm I'm one of those systems that's a one or a two, and I want to break away from from uh, being billboard and broadcast dependent. Where do I even start? I, I hear you say a lot of things, I and mean, you talk about micro targeting and lookalikes, and how do I? What's the best way for me to even get started as a healthcare marketer in the in the early phases of this? So I hope that at the very least you've got Facebook pages, right? You have an outlet to start building community to start having conversations with customers. I think on the digital side, generally, I do it, we do it at Piedmont because it's more measurable. If you look at the way most businesses and and most nonprofit healthcare systems, while we are mission-driven and community-oriented, we do still have that business side. We need to be able to justify our decisions with good business logic. Data where many of the marketers in healthcare right now came from was the communication side of the business, where it was more relationship oriented. It was more about media, and you sort of drift into marketing as the industry becomes a little more sophisticated about it. Amp that up a little bit by being a little bit more uh, measurable driven. So, if you're if you're at the very early stages of this. Even in the campaigns that you're doing now, the more traditional mass media-focused campaigns, have a very specific call to action Okay. in those campaigns and have a measurable goal. So when I say specific call to action, I'll dig a little bit deeper. There should be a call this number or go to this website. Okay. It should be, and it should be a unique uh, number or URL so that you can measure it, so that you know how many folks from this campaign went to do, did something because of it. That, to me, is sort of baseline expectation. We're going to have something, we're going to have a call to action that's measurable in any campaign that we do. And 
Okay. You don't do marketing for marketing's sake. You do marketing to help the organization reach one of its goals. So if you've got a service line or a physician's office that says, I really need 100 new patients. I really need, you know, your, your cardiology service line may say, I really need to get 50 new folks in in the next four months. Whatever that number is, you build a marketing campaign that helps solve that. Your goals should never be marketing marketing only goals. Your goals are derived from the business goals of the services and the system that you support. So you, if you make those goals understood at the beginning of a campaign, and then you're measuring the success of that, that gets you, once you get more comfortable measuring things, driving specific calls to action and measuring things, I think you can take the next step to get more digital. Once you get hooked on measurement, you'll be drawn to digital because it's so much easier to measure. Okay. And Matt, I loved your input on driving from business goals because even with, with campaigns like this, it's Facebook and it's it's a cool conference and it's a neat technology and the fact that you're building this, you know, this predictive model of predicting someone that could potentially uh, be at risk for heart disease or breast cancer, there's a high cool and wow factor to it. But if it doesn't advance the, the clinical mission or the business mission of a, of a healthcare system, it seems like it, it's just cool and interesting and fun to talk about in theory, but it's, it's largely academic as opposed to impactful. I think that's a great point. Uh, we, I, I treat Facebook like paid media. I treat Facebook the same way that I treat the local television stations uh, and other outlets where we might be advertising. And, and I like it better because it's more measurable. It's easier for me to know what sort of uh, traffic I can drive because the whole platform is built for measurement. We don't do anything on Facebook uh, or anywhere else for that matter unless it ties directly to a goal tied directly to something that one of our clients, our internal clients, has spelled out for us as a business goal. Otherwise, you end up doing a lot of ego-driven marketing and advertising, mostly advertising. When you talk about billboards and other things, it's not like they, it's not that they don't have any place in the mix. Uh, billboards in particular can drive uh, significant increases in awareness. But what they don't drive is action. Okay. They don't make anybody choose you. They're not generally available at the point that a consumer is making a decision. It's rare that someone is driving down the road at the, at the point where they learn they need a doctor. Sure. Right. And to expect that they're just gonna they're just going to pick that one billboard out of the fifty that they pass on their track. Sure. And make day. a decision. It's just a silly way of going about it. So I've had those conversations inside our system to say to, particularly to, to some of our senior executives who are leading uh, large uh, hospitals or service line, if you guys want to do this billboard, this print ad, this whatever, okay. But know that it's not, not doing it because it helps us reach our goals. Right, okay. We're doing it because it makes you feel better. Right. And I'm, I'm cool with that. If it makes you feel better, I want you to feel better. Right. But just don't give me an ROI number to report on it, right? Don't, don't expect me to come back to you to, and report a four to one ROI on the uh, on the ego billboard. Right. I actually, in, in some of our campaigns that we've been putting together recently, 
there's a significant media spend, and I'll actually carve out some portion of that. I don't have a, a firm formula for this yet, but carve out some portion of my media spend as awareness. Okay. There is a value to driving broader awareness of your name and your system in your market. Okay. There is, but it's not nearly what we spend. It's not. We've seen at, at Piedmont in the last two years. We rebranded in 2012, so there was a big spike in awareness and preference for us. And we spent much less in the the two years, the two full years since. And yet, our business continues to go up. Okay. Year over year, same store sales. Sure. Uh, Even though you're backing off the branding investment. Right. Great. Because this is not, um, we're moving in that direction. Consumerism is one of my very favorite healthcare topics. Yes. Um, And and we're moving in that direction. And as an empowered consumer takes more control, I think there'll be, brand will matter much, much more. There'll be more opportunities to push brand. But right now, I think we're still in the point where really well-formulated and heavily measured marketing campaigns are the things that are actually driving results in our system. And we're saving money. We're putting money towards that, but we're actually spending less. Let's say we're spending about 25% less than we spent in that rebrand year. That's incredible. That's great. Great testament. Well, well, Matt, you've talked about where you started with this assessment that was more an online activity, maybe a lower commitment from your patient and potential patients, graduating to something that is actually requiring or encouraging them to set an appointment and holding yourself accountable there. You talked about the the ways of segmenting and identifying audiences. What's next? If you you and I sit down and talk again next year, we we meet next fall at the the show, uh, the 2015 show. What are you going to be talking about? What's going to be the, the, the topic or where do you see where do you see the next big innovation for either for Piedmont or for our industry in general? Great question. If I had a crystal ball, um, I'd, I'd, be, uh, I'd, be, I'd be in higher demand. <laughs> sure. I'd be sitting, sitting on a beach somewhere. Right. What we're most focused on in terms of the future here at Piedmont self-service so as much as you can provide your customers in terms of self-service options that could be uh, online scheduling okay we do a fair amount of that here uh, so we want to make our physician schedules open to customers online so they can pick a spot click a button you you held that appointment uh, so we're doing a lot more of that I think transparency like we've just scratched the surface of it uh, and here at Piedmont, we were the second system in the country to be fully transparent with our customer reviews of our physician. Wow, that's wonderful. Okay. So if you're searching for a Piedmont physician right now, my primary care doctor, Dr. Case, that's a shameless plug for any of your Atlanta people <laughs> listening. He's the best doctor in town. But if you search right now for Dr. Jason Smith in Atlanta, you would get the Piedmont.org physician bio for Jason first. It would be the first thing that comes up in organic search. Okay. There's a star rating in the Google search results. And then when you click on it, you can see the star rating and then uh, unedited comments from our patients. Wow. 
So we're taking all of our press gaming data. There are third party right. surveys. Sure. And we've taken all of our press gaming data, we've converted it into a star sport for each of our physicians, and we've made it fully open to everybody. Think about your own behavior, your own consumer behavior. What do you do when you're looking for a restaurant? Or even if it's a restaurant you've been to, sure. you on the open table, you look for an appointment, you read the reviews. Right, right. You're going to buy something on Amazon. Okay? I've got a nice set of headphones here. So let's say I'm going to buy these Bose Quiet Comfort headphones. So I go online and I type Bose Quiet Comfort. Generally speaking, the first site that comes up in organic search results isn't the Bose site, it's the Amazon page. I mean, the reason that the Amazon page is given higher preference by Google, one of the reasons, is because it has more currently updated content. Right. And that updated content is coming from reviews. You've got star reviews and new comments. Amazon posts them every single day. And by doing that, they're winning search for products that they don't own. So we saw that same thing happening in healthcare with health grades and Yelp. Sure, yes. And we said that is not acceptable. We don't want someone like health grades owning our reputation right. for our physician. Right. Particularly when we are sitting on, in our case, a decade worth of information about our customers' opinions of our physician. Anyway, I think you, if you put those things together, those are two really important areas where we're focusing a lot of energy. How do we evolve the, the customer review piece to include more uh, transparency for potential customers to keep on? Um, how do we make it easier for them to find the, the time slot that they're looking for with the position that they want to go see? And I, I don't think anything, any other Some random urgent care company 
is going to control the flow of patients. Sure. And so we as hospitals and health systems who for years, decades or more, in Piedmont's case, 110 years, have been talking about clinical expertise. Right. Like that's, like that's the thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that's going to bring up. Right. And you think it... Obviously, Walgreens and CVS and Walmart and a lot of these upstarts, they are, they're, they're retail, they think like retailers because they're retailers. They're the best retailers in the world. You know, the, the three we just named are, are, you know, three of the 10 best retailers probably on the planet and they do a lot of things right. They think like consumers. And so it's, uh, and they're certainly not competing on clinical reputation though. They're competing in a retail mindset. Right. So, absolutely. Well, well, they don't, customers don't care about that. Right. It's, um, I, I like to I like to think of Piedmont as a, as a retailer slash a restaurant. If I think of it that way, then think about what your expectation is when you walk into a restaurant. Right. You're not at any point are you con- not really concerned that they're going to serve you hot food. Right. The person in the kitchen knows how to make a meal. Okay. Okay. I see where you're going. So when you when you walk into a health system. You're not worried that the physician or the rest of the clinical staff is going to provide you with good care. Sure, that's an assumption. That, that's the that's the baseline. We assume that, that's right? Baseline expectation, but that's go into any market, including Atlanta, and look at what health systems are promoting. Number one, cancer. This okay? Fancy doctor that. It's, this is not what a consumer cares about. It's not what they're interested in hearing. Uh, and the more time we spend pushing that angle, the more room we're giving our competitors to take that low acuity retail in and to move really heavily hmm. into managing populations of people. And then one day, by no choice of yours, your health system is going to end up as a specialty provider. Right. And that may be a perfectly legitimate place to be if that's what you decide as a system you want to be. Right. But to be forced into it because you've been because all the general patients have been scooped by uh, someone with a more retail mindset is probably not you. You probably don't want to be forced into that decision. I, I mean, it's up to you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I don't, that's not where we want to be. Um, and we have this great advantage right now that systems need to be leveraging better, which is reputation. We've got in Atlanta, I know Piedmont, uh, while a very competitive health system. Well, well, Matt, given the, the boldness and the things you were doing, I have no doubt that that reputation will continue to grow. And we definitely want to have you back more because your your mindset and the pioneering things you're doing are absolutely the things that our audience want to hear more about. So we've been joined today by Matt Gove, the Chief Consumer Officer at Piedmont Healthcare in Atlanta. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate it. And that's it for this week's HealthCast. Once again, I'm Bill Valderez, and thank you for listening. Until next week, remember, don't just live, live well.